Hello and welcome to Just Bugs, an appreciation podcast for those oft-ousted creatures we humans call bugs, despite their official classifications. I'm your host, Savannah, and today I have Matt with me. Hey, it's me. Again. Oh, good. Back back again. (laughs) (laughs) I love a little head bobble you did. You guys didn't see it, but it was great. (laughs) Uh, Today we're going to talk about bumblebees, the humble bumble. I'm so excited for this one. I even wore my black and yellow striped shirt for this episode. Oh, yeah. With the little bee wings yeah. and the antler things. You're looking antlers. cute. Looking, I don't know what they're called. They're not bee antlers. antlers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm decked Tana? out for this one. Yeah, he's not. But it, it's a very <laughs> good image. I really appreciated it. Uh, just a warning. This one might be longer than my typical episode. There's just a lot of stuff to tell you about. Like a lot of stuff. I'm good with it. Bring on the stuff. Bringing it. So I'm talking about bumblebees as a whole. Their genus name is Bombus, which is like a really cool name in my opinion. It sounds lazy. It's not. What's though. their bumble what's the bumblebee's name? Bombus. <laughs> That's just the first part of their name. It's like only their first name. <laughs> Anyways, let me tell you what these guys look like. So they're super round. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is like, there was this time period over the internet where everybody was obsessed with like bee butts on the internet. That was a good time. It was a really good time. Those bees were likely bumblebees. Bumblebees have round bodies. They're covered in like very soft fluff, which is actually like hair that is called pile. Um, it both looks soft and feel soft. So it's extra. Have you pet them before? No, but you can. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, depending on the I'd bee and the situation. I would also pay for that. They'd have to be, like, n- unable to sting me, though. Maybe if they were, like, that. constrained to some degree. No, no, <laughs> I'm going to tell you all about it. Um, so the pile that they have works as, like, an insulation during cold weather. And as you'll learn, they live in some colder climates. So um, the more pile that they have, the warmer that they're going to be. So the, the species that live in the colder climates will have more than their sister species. Extra fuzzy bees. Extra super fuzzy bees. Yes. That sounds great. Isn't that the cutest? This is such a cute topic. You have to shave your bees. Don't forget to shave your bees out there. Don't shave your bees. During the summer. They'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, as I, as I was mentioning, that doesn't keep them, that does keep them warmer. That's important because there's something called chill coma in which the flight muscles are not able to function. So they have to be at 86 degrees Fahrenheit or 30 degrees Celsius um, in order to fly. That's really warm. I agree. 86, that's like that's like where you're kind of like puffing your shirt and like, oh, yeah. it's kind of hot out. That is the, the internal temperature that they have to have in order to fly. Hmm. But they're able to, not only with the fuzz, but also they're able to like shiver to raise their body temperature. Oh, internal temperature. I thought yes. you meant like outdoor temperature. I was no. like, what is there just no bees? Because it's like <laughs> 70 something. <laughs> no, internal. internal oh, okay, that makes way more sense. Um, so they have, um, because I'm covering multiple species, um, there are, did I tell you how many there were? There's 250 plus species of bumblebee out there. That's a good amount. Agreed. Lots. It's very lots. Um, so... <laughs> They do range in size because of the different species, um, but they are all going to be larger than like a honeybee, for example. I really don't know the difference. I've seen bees. Oh, I have no idea if I've seen 
a bumblebee versus I, a honeybee versus a yeah ground bee. Okay, is that a thing? Yeah, it is a thing. I did actually some research on ground bees for a while. Um, it's short research. Let's not get into it. Anyways, the honeybees are what you, Matt, have seen. The okay, like honey skinny, non-fuzzle. Yes. Regular looking bees. Those are honeybees. The I guess ones I that haven't like, seen a bumblebee then. The ones that you think of as like Africanized bees, honeybees. I never assigned it's cool. a region we'll get into to it. We're going to get into it. I'm going to tell you all about those some other time. But um, bumblebees are much more round, a lot bigger, and then they're way fuzzier. Okay. Yeah. Um, one species called bee bombus, uh terrestris. Terrestrious? That's probably it. That sounds That better. sounds right. Sounds like you know what you're saying when you say it that way. Yes. <laughs> um, has the queen at almost an inch, so 0.9 inches or 22 millimeters. And then the worker bees range from 11 to 17 millimeters, which is like on average like a half inch. Okay. So pretty half the size. size. Um, and then the largest species of bumblebee, the bee doll bomb-bomby. Doll bomby, whatever. Dolly <laughs> Lama. <laughs> is up to an inch uh, and a half. Well, it's 1.6 inches. And what is that? Uh, it's just a species of bumblebee. Okay, so it's just the biggest of the bumblebees. It's the biggest of the bumbles. Okay. Yep. And it is referred to in Chile sometimes as a monstrous flying ginger beast. It's a lot. I don't think I could scream that if I saw one by my face. Maybe it works really better like, in Chilean. Oh, I don't even know what you said. Like, oh, a giant ginger beast. <laughs> it's a monstrous flying ginger beast. I think saying bee is a lot easier. Maybe, but you don't know what oh, it sounds bee. like there. You yeah, know? that's true. Different languages. Sounds like, I don't know. But it's cute. I like it. <laughs> the image that it conjures is just very evocative. They have to like stop and think about how what it's called because it's so long. <laughs> So let me tell you what they look like besides just their size and such. They um, they all have different colors. So different species are going to have different colorations. Um, but a lot of them have different banding of contrasting colors. So they're going to be like a stripe pattern. Mm. Not always. A lot of the species don't have the stripes. But all the species have something called um, a posmatic coloration or war warning coloration which is going to be indicating to potential predators that they're dangerous. And that is actually true for these species. So they have stingers. If a predator is to attack them, they're going to attack them back. That's showing the predator ahead of time. I don't want you to touch me. You don't want to touch me. Safety. And uh, that's why they have the contrasting colors is like warning. Um... I don't think that's necessarily why. It could have been, it could be part of why they evolved to have that coloration, but the the banding is not necessarily what makes it. It's more just like the color choices or the banding. Like it's, but all of the bee species have a posmatic coloration. And then on top of that, some other species of bumblebee in the same area will develop the same color patterns because they're mimicking the original color pattern like evolutionarily so like the time frame in this is like very big but a new or newer species in an area will mimic the coloration of an old species in the area because it has a, a, a posmatic coloration oh so they're like that's working out great for you i'm gonna do that mm -hmm. kind of thing 
Yes, but with this one, it's called malarian mimicry, and it's it's mutually beneficial because both species actually are dangerous, so it's still not allied to predators. They're just following a pattern that works in every scenario, basically, so. Okay. Yeah. Um, some of the colors that they can be are yellow and black, white and black, red and black, all red, sort of that ginger color that I was talking about. They can be all black. So there's a lot of different variation, but usually that color pattern is going to say danger, basically. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, something I found absolutely fascinating and had no idea about bumblebees, or specifically bees in general, I guess, is that they have five eyes. That's such a odd number. I agree. <laughs> so they've got the two big ones. Those are the compound eyes, which I've told you guys about before. That's multiple lenses, seeing multiple images to make one. Okay. Then they have three simple eyes called ocelli that are in like a triangle pattern on the top of their head. On the very top of their head? It's sort of like their face is angled upwards and it's like in the, like between their eyes, like on their forehead, if we were like Why trying to imagine. Why do they need so many? Well, the ones on their forehead detect like light, but not necessarily shapes. And compound eyes, as I told you about in the classifications episode, mm. are better for seeing like like different motion speeds and stuff like that. So like if something's not moving, it's not going to be as, as like recognized. So detecting light and motion together is more helpful for them. Also, they use the sun to determine um, spatial recognition a lot of the times. So like it's important for them to be able to see the light. Ah, so they're like navigating subconsciously mm -hmm. with their less sensitive eyes. Yes. <laughs> I see, like pointing towards the North Star. Yeah, just like that, mm. but different. <laughs> so they've got... Just like that, but different. <laughs> <laughs> but not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so they've got two sets of wings. So four wings total. There's four wings that are larger and then the little wings, like you think of when you think of a bee. I had no idea how many wings they, they got, have. Oh, well, now you know. They got four. <laughs> okay. Are they on top of each other or like in front and in back or? I think it's like they're all connected to the thorax. And okay. they, the ones in the front, front for the four wings, yeah. closer to the head, are larger. And then the little wings are either below or on top of that, but like still further back. So mm. like almost like. Like stabilizer wings. Maybe. Sure. I don't know what their function is, honestly. <laughs> I couldn't tell you, but I, it, they're just smaller and further back, like closer to the abdomen. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they do have an anatomical defense. They've got their stinger. Um, important thing about bumblebees is their stingers don't detach. So honeybees, if they sting you, they are going to lose their stinger. They're probably going to lose part of their abdomen. They're likely going to die. These bees... Yes, I'm, I'm familiar with that. Yes. These bees don't do that. This is more like a wasp situation where if they sting you, they could keep stinging you. It's not going to hurt them. Mm. And they probably will. I like that less. <laughs> it's safer for the bees, though. Well, yeah, because they don't rip their butt off. Exactly. <laughs> I, I have a funny story that. about yeah, that. Yeah, tell me all about it. Uh, I was swimming when I was a kid and my little brother's like eight years younger. So he was like four. Mm -hmm. And we were like running and doing cannonballs as you do. Right, of course. And, and then uh, he runs, does, you know, a nice cannonball. And then he bursts out of the water and goes, ah, ah, screaming. <laughs> and I'm like, what is wrong? And he pulls his foot up and he's got a bee butt sticking out of his foot. Aww, and I guess he butt. stepped on it. Oh, um, in the pool? No, like running, on the way? running oh. to jump. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh that's horrible. <laughs> so, yeah, poor guy. Yeah, my mom got, my mom accidentally got a bee in her mouth and it stung her. 
it, I've heard about that happening. It's never happened to me, but I, I heard it's like you have like an open soda and then you go and you and then you come back and you chug it and there's like a bee in there because it's all sweet. Mm-hmm. She like, was just frolicking. That, that's what I've been told. She was <laughs> just open mouth frolicking. <laughs> just so. She lived on a farm. So. So, you, so naturally you run with your mouth open. Obviously, clearly, yes. <laughs> that's what they do in farms. <laughs> Okay, so where are these bumblebees found? I did mention that they live in colder climates sometimes. So they primarily live in higher altitudes of the northern hemisphere. So they are found in the States. Um, but then some species, uh, like more rare species, will be found in like tropical air- areas of South Africa. And then they've also been introduced in New Zealand and Tasmania. So you could see one, but... I don't really think that they're necessarily here. Maybe in like the northern sections of Arizona, but like mm. not down in the desert necessarily. It's usually the colder place. Well, it's, it's, they're fuzzy, obviously. They're fuzzy. They want to be cold. <laughs> well, they are cold, so they have coats. Yes. Nice. Yes. But some, like there are rare species that it doesn't matter. They live in warmer climates and it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. But like maybe they have adapted different evolutionary means to live in a warmer place. Mm-hmm. So many species live underground. Um, they will take up residence in old rodent holes to avoid, like, direct sunlight because they can overheat. Um, and then other species of bumblebees will nest above ground. So, like, in the holes of a tree that a bird has made or in, like, tall grass, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I don't know why they would pick tall grass. It doesn't seem like very good cover, but it might be cool next to the soil and stuff maybe it's closer to their food i'm not sure i mean it might just be like the best option of the options that they have yeah yeah that's some of the places that they live um they do feed on flowers sometimes those flowers are like a half mile to a mile and well 1.2 miles away from where they live so they'll fly a decent distance to get to their little flower patch Um, And then they typically will feed from the same flower patch unless it becomes, like, unproductive. Um, And then they can fly up to, like, 15 miles per second. I think that's right. 15 miles per second? That didn't seem right. Miles per hour? (laughs) I don't know. It says M slash S. That seems like miles. Meters per second? That one. That's the one. Yes. If it was 15 miles per second. I was like, that's not right. People would fall over dead because they got hit with a bee. Hey, man. It could happen. It'd be like getting hit with like a beam of light or something. It'd be so fast. Meters. Meters per second. I was Um, like, oh my goodness. Something fell wrong and there you go. We figured it out. This comes around to, not that, but the thing before that came back to the bee butt thing. So... How do they feed? And and I've, obviously, I've heard they're good for the plants. Yeah. I don't know I'll if you're you going to get to that. But. Much, much about that. But I will tell you about the, the flower situation like, yeah, like how right they, now. Yeah, how they go about that. Yeah. So they feed from flowers in two ways, depending on the species. They, they have proboscis. So they'll unfold their little twirly tongues and they stick them in the flowers and then they suck up the nectar using like suction. I imagine it sounds like meh, meh, meh. Something like that. That's what it feels like it would sound like, but probably not. (laughs) But in my head, it does. And then the other way that some species will do it is they'll actually just like cut a hole at the bottom of the flower and then just get the nectar out. Because that way they Those are the smart bees. Those are the glasses wearing bees. (laughs) Sure. But they also do avoid getting pollen that way. So those species are not necessarily like big pollinators. 
Uh, yes and no. So, I mean, for those species, maybe they've adapted to not need it, but most bee species, especially most of the bumblebee species, use pollen as a food source, which I'll tell you more about later. So, like, pollen is good. So, I don't know, maybe those species just don't need it. They don't need it. Hmm. Who knows? Maybe they have some other way to get their protein. Well, if they're smart enough to go to the and cut a hole in the bottom of the flower, I'm sure they figured it out. Right, exactly. See, you get it. They got, like, little trucks with wings that carried the pollen <laughs> to their to their hive those are good bees yeah <laughs> so they choose their flowers based on coloration and spatial cues um so like i said they they use the sun to like figure out where they are um and then they use coloration as well as a lot of really interesting things i didn't know bees could do to tell which flowers are going to be better flowers for them or flowers that have been visited before so they can tell which part of the flowers are hotter and colder. They can sense the electrical field pattern of each flower. And even some species even leave like a scent on the flower that it has fed from that can even say whether or not that flower was productive or not. So like whether or not it gave it good food source. And then that scent will deter other bees from that flower until that scent fades. That's crazy, but it also, like, I can, like, it all makes sense to me. I'm, like, imagining each one of those things. And except for the electrical field, not really sure about that one. The other ones make a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have a, I feel like I read somewhere in school that they have, like, magnets or, like, a version of a magnet in their brain that helps them with that, like, electrical field stuff. Huh. Yeah, fascinating. That that's like a whole biological topic that is probably a pretty deep dive. So I didn't really go into it too much, but I remember something about that. Let me know if you know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, they uh, they do. I told you about the the different bees that get the nectar, the different ways. Um, pollen. So they do. Like I said, they use pollen sometimes um, for feeding. It's also important to note that they are pollinators of a lot of commercial crops. Um, and I'll tell you all about the relevance of that um, more towards the end. Um, but yeah, that is something that they do. They, they do feed on flowers, but sometimes a lot of our crops have flowers. So they will pollinate those crops, which we then use. Yeah. And I'm mm. sure that's beneficial for us as well. I wonder if farmers, I, I assume they probably sometimes use bees to like help pollinate their oh, yeah. their stuff. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll give you some stats on that later. I've seen people doing it by hand. They have to use like a paintbrush. Oh, my and gosh. And they have that's to like, so they have to like paint each flower. Oh, my gosh. That's so cute. <laughs> I think it's way less efficient, though. Well, it sounds adorable. Yeah. Bees are adorable. Okay. So, food sources. I told you about pollen. I told you about nectar. So, they call bee pollen bee bread sometimes which i think is like bee bread cute yeah bee bread do they bake <laughs> it or something or is it just no. like when it's on their butt it's like bee bread i don't know man I, I just read that that's what it's called sometimes and i thought it was so cute i had to include it anyway <laughs> so uh they draw the nectar through the suction like i mentioned and then they'll collect that nectar um as a food source at, and they'll transport it into like honey so they'll store it in their house in little honey pots and um, that's nectar that they've transformed into honey. Okay, so they, by, yeah, they, <laughs> so they eat the nectar and then they regurgitate it into their hives in 
little spaces and mm-hmm. then it like ferments into honey or something. I think it's just, I think once it's, re- I okay, to be fair, I didn't go super deep on like how honey is made, the biological functions that do that. But from my base knowledge, they regurgitate the nectar. When they've regurgitated it, it is honey now. Just immediately? I think so. I would imagine a curing process, but I don't hey, know. Hey, like I said, didn't get deep in it. Don't know. Could be true. Um, but they do make little pots. Bumblebee species don't make those like classic hexagonal cones for their honey. They I was going to say, like, why they pick that shape? Cool shape. Maybe, very cool shape. I guess maybe because it like distributes the weight equally throughout multiple corners, which Smart makes it bees. more Glasses durable. wearing bees. Yeah, glasses wearing bees. <laughs> um, but no, bumblebees don't do that. They they make very untidy, messy little combs for their honey. Um, and they make those combs out of wax that they produce. So the wax comes from the abdomen of the queens and young worker bees. And it is extracted and kneaded until it is able to work with. And they can make their little pots out of it. So they like extrude it some way and then move it around yeah it comes from their abdomen um yeah so it's not like a anything to do with like the face i think it like comes from the back end somewhere but i don't know extruded somewhere somewhere extruded yeah Mm. let's not get into too many details because that sounds (laughs) gross (laughs) from some orifice it it comes (laughs) um but they use that not only for making the honey pots but also for covering up their eggs and for lining empty storage cocoons um for, you know, whatever they need to store. Yeah. You know, the children's bikes. <laughs> right. Christmas trees. Christmas decorations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Makes for sense. Sure. Um, so they do make the honey, but it's not always um, as much as like a honeybee. So bumblebees will make enough honey for them and their needs, but not an excess. Where honeybees that they keep as beekeepers make way too much honey. They make so much honey, they don't need that much honey. And that's why they're kept as beekeeper bees or honey bees. Gotcha. I wonder why they make so much more. But that's... Yeah. I'll look into it when yeah. we when we cover the, the honeybee. Um, but yeah, so um, honey is used as like a carb source. And pollen is going to be for protein. Protein? I think that's correct. Um, so they need both. Very important stuff. Balanced diets. Yeah. Can't just eat bread all the time. Can't just eat bee bread. Can't just eat the bee bread. <laughs> so bees have very complex social structures. Um, bumblebees are a little different than honeybees, um, but they do have big colonies, just much smaller than a, a honeybee's colony. So honeybees, on average, will have fifty thousand bees per hive, where a bumblebee is going to be closer to like fifty to four hundred per colony. Um, there are some outlying species or specific hives of specific species that have been really low or really high. Like the lowest that they found has been like 20 bees and the highest has been like 1700. I wonder what determines the size, but interesting to know. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, that's, that's going into a lot of really, oh, it's going into a lot of really deep stuff so we'll we'll move on (laughs) so let me tell you about the structure basically so there's a main queen and worker bees and then drones as well as young queens so the worker bees are going to be female bees only 
and they work to feed the young, remove dead bees from the colony to, like, stave off disease, and then they gather the nectar and the pollen. The drones are only boys, and their only purpose is for mating. So the ones that get the pollen and the nectar are the worker bees? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they're So we all probably people. don't see the male ones very often. Right? No, probably yeah. not. No, they they also have some They're little... busy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> super busy. <laughs> um, so the way that it works is the queen um, of a colony will enter something called diapause, which is a state of dormancy to protect from like environmental conditions or a lack of food. So for this situation, it's winter, it's too cold for them. So they, it's like a hibernation, but it's called a diapause. And then in the spring, the queen will come out of the diapause and find a place to form her new colony. And it's just her. What happens to the rest of them? I'll tell you about it in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So she will build wax cells and she'll lay her eggs in them. And those le- those eggs were fertilized the year prior. Um, as the eggs hatch into female worker bees, she lays more eggs for those workers to take care of and a new colony is born. So you asked me like what happens to the males. So in the fall, the young queens will leave the colony to mate with drones who are kicked out of the... <laughs> The hive pretty quickly. Um, (laughs) And then in the winter, the drones and the worker bees all die off due to cold weather. So like the queen just like gets in her bunker and then all Mm -hmm. the other ones are like, what about us? And she's like, don't worry about it. (laughs) I don't think it's necessarily because of that. (laughs) But uh, the the queen bee is more able to cope with the cold weather is really what it is. And with losing her entire civilization. But she recreates. Yeah, she was was the one able to cope with it. They're all dead. It's fine. (laughs) Bees don't live that long. It's fine. (laughs) So I mentioned that she'll, when she finds it, or she finds a new space and she makes a new colony, she's able to um, lay the eggs, right? So the ovaries only become active when they're laying the eggs. So she has complete control also over what she's making. So a fertilized queen um, can choose to fertilize eggs based on the needs of the colony. Unfertilized eggs are boys, males. Fertilized eggs are females and queens. So she can like do the math and be like, I need this many and this many. Yes. And then just, I don't know, grunts and... They're all grunts. No, I mean, I was meant like, just like grunts and flexes oh. and then can kind of choose depending on. Yeah, I mean, she, <laughs> she knows what her colony needs and she lays eggs appropriately. Um, but as I mentioned, there are other queens in the hive, like younger queens, um, that can also make eggs, but they can only lay female eggs. So diploid one set of chromosomes from each the drone and the queen. So they come together and they make one bee. But um, the boys are haploid. So they can only, they're only from the queen only. No fertilization from a male. I wonder what the reason, or like why would that be advantageous? I don't know. I think it's just because the males don't really have a big purpose. They, they're really only to give the queen a way to make more females. That's it. Hmm. Yes. So, that happens later. So she makes her hive, she makes the, the queen, the worker bees, and then the workers 
take care of the eggs and then the eggs hatch and it's more and more and more and then they can make boys and then the boys mate and then the new queens go find their hives and then the cycle repeats. <laughs> There's no problem with them all being in the same family. No, they're bees. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what they don't know doesn't hurt them, I guess. No, it's not that. They just don't have that genetic. So they don't have that genetic issue like we do. That's all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So the queen can actually prevent the um, other females from making more eggs by um, producing pheromones and by aggressing on them. So like if she doesn't want it to happen, she'll be like, dude, don't do that. And she like tells them no with her body language or maybe harm. Who knows? (laughs) But then um, moving forward a little bit, when the larvae develop, they do feed on the nectar for carbs and the pollen for protein, like I mentioned. And the worker bees will actually feed the young in their little brood cells, their little tiny houses, itty bitty houses. That sounds, that's a nice image. It's very cute. <laughs> Let me ruin it for you. Okay. Um, <laughs> the way that they do that is they can send regurgitated food down their tongue yes. into the little brood cells. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. That's great. That's how they feed the nectar. And then depending on the bee species, the pollen is fed one of two ways. So there's either pocket feeding where the pollen is stored at the bottom of the pocket of the brood cell and then the larva can seed, uh, self-feed from it or it's held in a separate cell and fed directly to them. Great. Yeah. That's <laughs> so how long do bees live? The queen will live around a year and that varies depending on the species. And then the worker bees live from a couple weeks to a month, and the drones only live for two weeks. So you talking about, like, them all dying off and that being, like, a, a complicated relationship? Yeah, the bee graveyard. Yeah, the bee graveyard, yes. <laughs> but that's, that is because of the social structure, the life length, that sort of thing. I wonder if it's scary or nice to just have a purpose and then that's it. Or if that's like, it's okay, this is all I got to worry about. I don't think they think or like that. Or if they're like, oh my God, I only have to do one thing. That's all I'm good for. And they don't know anything better. I'm just, I'm just wondering. I think that's fair. <laughs> These are the big questions in life. <laughs> <laughs> so are bumblebees dangerous? So they do have a small to moderate sting risk. Um, they usually won't sting you unless they perceive you as danger to either themselves or to the hive. Um, But if they do see you as a threat to the hive or themselves, they will chase you until they perceive that the threat is resolved. Yeah, I hear stories about people running away from from bees. Yeah. Sometimes unsuccessfully. Yeah, I actually have. I've been stung by a bee twice. They're both honeybee species. But both times the bee got, well, I disrupted a hive. I was young. Twice. Two days in a row. Let's not talk about it. (laughs) And the whole hive chased us. And a bee got caught in my hair two days in a row and stung me on my forehead two days in a row. I think I learned my lesson after the second (laughs) time. (laughs) But yeah, so they will chase you because they want you to be away from their queen, their hive, their whole community. Yeah. Um, I have a story. Yes, tell me a story. Yeah, my friend cuts trees Mm -hmm. and he was in a like a palm tree trimming and then he cut into a beehive. He's like, oh, and then he has to like, oh my gosh, frantically scramble down the tree. And then he runs into his truck and closes the door. And he's like, oh, and then he like looks and his windows are open. No, no, no. He's like, ah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's horrible. 
Oh, well, he's okay. I know. Yeah, he's fine. (laughs) He's fine. Um, But when they do sting you, they inject their bee venom. And those stings can be painful. They can cause swelling and redness and itching. But a lot of people are allergic to bees. And when you are allergic to bees, usually it's pretty severe and can cause anaphylaxis, which is just a whole super intense allergic reaction from your body that will shut down your your whole system and can kill you. That could be me. I've never been stung. Yeah, that's a big fear for people is is people who have never been stung before. How are you supposed to know? You can't. So just, you know, safety first. I, that, this is why you need fear factor to find these things out. I don't think that's <laughs> I don't think that's the best way to find out. Well, they, sting, <laughs> they have a medical team and then they can have me be stung. I wonder if they like make everybody get stung by one bee first with medical staff like on hand just to see. I'm sure they just just check a box saying I'm not allergic to bees. So many people don't know. <laughs> oh, whatever. It's their safety. Um, and the big kicker here, the most interesting thing, is males can't sting you. And that's true for... Well, they're busy doing other things. You talked about this. <laughs> they're not there. That's it's true. only the females that are outside. But they can't. Like, physically, anatomically, they do not have the ability to sting you. And that's true for every bee species that I'm aware of. Well, good. See, girls are mean. Girl... Girls are not mean. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> they just have more responsibility. That's all. <laughs> um, so are they rare? Well, there's 250 species. They're super widespread, so they're not necessarily rare. But some bumblebee species are endangered, specifically really only two, which is great. And then there are eight total bee species that are endangered. Um, But just because there's two that are endangered does not mean that we shouldn't protect them. There has been wide-scale population loss over the last 300 years. So if you look 300 years back and you look now, the the number of bees in the bee populations is like steadily declining. It just hasn't reached a dangerous place for most species yet. Um, but that's good because if it does, we're in trouble. There are 40% of invertebrates pollinators that are facing extinction right now. That's like insects as a whole, not necessarily just bees. But what that means for us I mean, these guys are agricultural pollinators. They're of high importance to plant life and losing them would be a disruption to the ecosystem. So one third of our crops require insect pollination. So 90 separate crop species all only survive if they're pollinated by an insect. Yeah, I've heard some of this stuff. It's pretty scary. Is it, do you think it's because of like climate change kind of stuff? So yes and no. So yes, because part of the problem is habitat loss, um, Mm. which is a big problem for a lot of species on the planet. And it goes back to the climate change, but also because of pesticides and mechanized agriculture. Uh, Fair. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So that's actually the biggest issue. Because they, yeah, they use it to spray on their crops and stuff, intending it to kill one or two things, but then it ends up killing like... A bunch of different bugs and then things that eat the bugs. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a whole chain reaction kind of thing. Yeah, it's a whole chain on that side. And then a lot of the pesticides that they're using are systematic. So they remain in the plants and in the soil. So they won't come out the next crop season. They're just going to be there continuously over time, emphasizing that cycle and just spreading the problem larger and larger every year, basically. Poor bees. Yeah, it's not good. Um, So one way to avoid this is to plant a lot of flowers 
I know for other bee species that make hives in inconvenient places, people often want to get rid of the hives by destroying them. Please don't do that. There are actually um, different practices where people will transport your beehive to another location for its safety and to save the bees. That sounds way better. Yeah, and so look that up. Not like you want to worry about getting the beehive off your house. That sounds terrible. Yeah, that's Call dangerous. Somebody. That's <laughs> dangerous for you and it's bad for the bees. It's been bad for the planet. So there are different people that you can call, look in your area and see if that's an option for you first, for sure. Now to lighten the mood a little bit, I just wanted to tell you some cool facts about different bumblebee species or bumblebees as a whole. So the word bumble means buzz hum or flounder, which I just thought was like so perfectly a bumblebee activity. I was gonna say, <laughs> that's totally spot on. So cute, I love that. Floundering about between yes. the flowers. And buzzing and humming. <laughs> so cute, I love that. Um, they don't have ears at all, no ears. Uh, the, you made me think about a bee with ears and that made me terrified. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just like giant ears. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, despite them not having ears, they're very sensitive to vibrations. So they can still like, in a sense, hear things, but not really. Um, and then when you think of a bee, do you know about like the bee dance that they do? Like to talk to each other? I've heard of this. I saw it on Futurama. That's about oh, it. Oh, Nice. Oh yeah, that's a, a great episode. episode. Let's was. not get into it. But yeah, um, these bees, bumblebees, don't actually do that dance. Instead, they just like get back to their hive and then they just dance around for like five minutes after foraging to be like, yay, I found food. But they don't communicate in that way. It's I actually don't know how they communicate. I think it's sort of up for debate right Is now. Is it like the hive mind thing? Or I don't like know. they don't have to communicate? They just kind of know? They know the functions. They do the functions. Maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, also, I mean, like, part of the bee dance thing is to tell other bees where food is. And if they don't need to do that, then they don't really need the bee dance. But, mm. but maybe they like it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, I also wanted to tell you guys about, like, how they fly. I know I mentioned that they <laughs> fly 15 mi miles. Is that what I said? 15 miles it's a meters, second. Though. It's meters, though. It's the meters. fastest thing on the planet Earth. <laughs> So to <laughs> they can fly, break the sound barrier. <laughs> to fly that 15 meters per second, their wings do beat at about 200 beats per second. Um, and their thorax muscles don't contract on each nerve firing, but rather vibrate like plucking a rubber band. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? That's a nice comparison. It wasn't mine, but thank you. <laughs> I kind of thought so. But still, <laughs> good job with the Googles. Yes. Thank you. I'm a Google wizard. Um, <laughs> I wanted to tell you about one super interesting bumblebee species to finish this off. There is a bumblebee species called the cuckoo bumblebee that are brood parasitic. So they will sneak into a different bumblebee species hive, kill the queen, and lay their own eggs for that colony to take care of. Assassin bees. Assassin bees. So they're similar to like the cuckoo bird because they're the bird actually yes. does a similar thing. Yeah. I didn't. I saw that on the nature documentary and it was terrible. It's like that, but with more murder. Yeah, they like the cuckoos don't kick. Do they like lay an egg in another nest, mm -hmm. and then when it hatches, it kicks all the other eggs out, and mm -hmm. then the parents like feed it, and it gets like ten times bigger than they are, and it's like filling up the whole nest and they're like oh my god our one fat child won't <laughs> stop eating <laughs> and then it just flies away and is another kind of bird <laughs> yeah so it's like that but huge like a huge deal because a whole hive worth 
of this cuckoo bee that's yeah. just going to do the same thing the terrible. next season. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Bad bird, bad bee. Agreed. No cuckoos here. All bad. But yeah, I think that that's really all that I had to tell you guys about bumblebees. Do you have any questions? I think I have a lot of questions, but oh. they might be related to other kinds of bees. Well, so I will we'll 100% do a honeybee episode on a later date. Um, yeah, I think I'm just more familiar with that. Yes. So I'll have more questions. more to more to be filled there. Perfect. I'm going <laughs> to fill all those needs for you. Um <laughs> So um, let's go ahead and plug our stuff. So we do have the Instagram. I'm working on some other networks right now. I've been very hesitant because you I'm ain't not... gotta just do the things you want to do. Yeah, I know. I just want I want to be able to reach as many people as I can. People should know about insects and be able to enjoy them the way that I do. And I just want to reach as many people as I can. So I'm gonna give it a shot, guys. I'm not a big social media person, but I'm gonna put my effort in. But for now, we do have the Instagram. It's Just Bugs Podcast on Instagram. We do have an email for you guys. That's JustBugsPodcast at gmail.com. What else do we have? Uh, the podcast they're listening to right now. Yes. Yes. So you can... So you can share with people. Yes. You can like it. You can review it. Uh, yeah, please review it, it, guys. I want to know what you guys think. I really haven't heard too much back on feedback except from like you know, close people. So I'd really love to hear you guys' reviews. Yeah. And then the email, like, what would you like to get in the emails? Yeah. So for the emails, I'd love to get more information that you guys have on the bugs that we cover. Just so for my own, like, desires, I want to know as much as I can. And then on top of that, I would love to hear your suggestions for different bugs that you'd like to be covered. Um, I think eventually I will be doing um, sort of a Patreon thing where you could suggest the topic and I'll cover it for sure for a person or something like that. Um, also, we'll do, be doing shout outs when I do do that, but that takes some time to get set up. So that's not quite there yet. Sounds great. Yeah. Bring us home. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, thank you guys so much for listening to um, our episode of Just Bugs today. And, uh, you know, don't uh, squish any bugs. Don't squish any, but go and appreciate them. Yeah. Or, you know, stay safe. Away from the bad ones, but also just, you know. Be like me. Appreciate from, from a distance. From through, through glass, preferably. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. And uh, keep on listening and go see those buggos. Bye now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>